hello and welcome to Earth Riot Radio. I'm Reverend Billy. Here in New York City, we are bombed by 10,000 advertising events per day. And this attack, high-tech dreaming, makes it impossible to do... Ah, the simple things that are decent and true. I woke up having difficulty breathing this morning. I was in a cage in the city zoo. I knew that I was under the spell of, of this invisible czar bombing me. I would have to do something completely embarrassing. I needed to leap from a high place onto the rocks, onto the rocks of utter ridiculous foolishness to break the cultural norms. I felt this way since yesterday afternoon. I'd witnessed a statement by the commissioner of New York City Parks, a woman named Sue Donahue, just recently appointed commissioner. She and her associate, Jennifer Greenfield, made a statement to city council member Darling Mealy, who represents the 41st district right over here on Eastern Parkway, 80% African-American community, immigrants, working poor. They said with this unbelievable professional arrogance that they simply could not stop spraying the parks with this carcinogenic herbicide that the city council had banned a year ago. I knew that I had to take an action a stepping off, a leap, into a statement of such complete embarrassment that I would be able to release myself to the possibility of once again being a moral, just decent person in my own family, in my own neighborhood, and sit up on the edge of the bed and walk across the room. Love my loved ones. I love you. Walk out into my neighborhood and, and go to my neighbor and, and what can I do? Can I be of service in some way? Are you having a good day? question in terms of pesticides. I will tell you that it's an issue that we have taken seriously for many years. Parks uses very, very little if, uh, very little pesticides across the park system. We have for years moved towards more organic um, uh, ways to treat areas. The only areas, and I'm going to ask our assistant commissioner for forestry, Jennifer Greenfeld, to weigh in here and correct me, but really it's only in our forested areas um, that if any remaining pesticides are used, it's there, but it's very, very limited. Jennifer, anything that you would add? Uh, yeah, so we only use it in forested areas, areas where it's dangerous for our staff to get to, to repeatedly do weeding. So like medians in the middle of very high traffic areas, and then sometimes for poison ivy. But we've reduced our, our use 72% over the last several years, and we will continue to work with the council's new law that was just passed. Mm -hmm. uh, so we can follow up on that. So um, do you think um, it's feasible to maintain uh, a, our city parks without pesticides? Totally abolish it. I, I think about what you see on TV. They saying um, green weed or whatever. And here it is. I go to Home Depot. It's still there. So is there any plan? Could you give me a specific time when we could just be 
organic all the way through. Our parks demand and deserve that. Um, we definitely agree with you, Councilmember Mealy, and I know that Jennifer and her team works hard. They're constantly looking at alternatives, organic products. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, you know, um, our, our, our efforts around a sustainable city and a sustainable park system um, have been in place for many, many years, and we're consistently looking for new and, uh, and safe and organic ways to address um, uh, or reduce pesticide use for sure. That's why, as I said, it's consistently decreased and we'll look to continue to do that. But is there any plan when we would go pesticide free of this great city of New York? And I'm finished. <laughs> <laughs> is it a plan? <laughs> Jennifer, go ahead. I oh, think I that everyone's speechless. Wow. <laughs> no, I mean, I appreciate the question and I wish it were feasible. I think there are just some situations where we can't provide the service that we need and the balance and safety to the public is not in any way increased by really judicial and careful use of pesticides in very, very few places in our parks. So getting to zero, I think, is not... Um, not realistic in this day and age, given the tools that we have at our hand. But maybe given one day. the tools that we do have, we should be able to start going towards that route. It's not that it should be unfeasible. No, this no, is, we totally are, agree. Totally um, we, agree. Yep. Thank you. I'm Absolutely. looking forward to continue this dialogue. <laughs> thank you, um, Chair, for this great and important meeting. Thank you. Thank you. I'd like to add a little footnote here. Interesting interview, isn't it? You wonder how I got so angry at this lady uh, who's just an average bureaucrat type and her job is to twist the truth all day long, of course. Yes, it upset me so much that I got into my pink preacher outfit and my collar and went straight to the headquarters of the Parks Department in Central Park and it went through the door and up the steps and the security people were tackling me and shoving me around and I got into the desks, I broke up some meetings and I was preaching. It's a sin to spray the parks with Bayer and Monsanto's famous carcinogenic pesticide Roundup with its toxin glyphosate and the city council voted 54 to 0 a year ago to ban the stuff. But I wonder if I could have said that the earth is demanding that we break through to hmm, <laughs> somehow break through the 10,000 products raining down on us because this is the great extinction. And those 10,000 products, each and every one of them has a sales lie that is the engine of it. And that makes this environment, this physical environment, that we just lie as a matter of course. And then we are not here now, we're there then. We, we become outside of ourselves, we lose track of who we are. And the earth is saying, no, you have to revolt against that right now. This is the time of the mass evolution. <laughs> Why hurt people now? Why lie for corporations at a time like this? The only human response to the great extinction is revolution. We must radically confront what we've become. And we don't even know what we mean by radical in this case. It's going to be so strange. Nothing like this ever happened before. 
But I believe that the first step is retaking the present tense. Somehow getting out of that reign of 10,000 products. Reemerge, transform. All these words, they sound like such. Be alive. Tell the truth. We get to know ourselves and stop lying. The truth is not a conspiracy theory. It's not a corporate quarterly report. Oh, being true. This is what I should have said. Be true in our soul. That's the first step. Come back into the present moment. I want to break into the Monsanto laboratories, into the Bayer laboratories, into their science, into their computers, into their salesmen. The revolution for evolution. The earth is calling out to us. The extinction won't work without honesty. Oh, please, call the police. I want to talk to them. And Reverend Billy here, and this is our interview of the week on Earth Riot Radio. Privileged to have here in the church studio, Adil Ahmed from the Black Institute, who has worked with the Church of Stop Shopping and many other groups, NYCC and so forth and so on, trying to get a virulent carcinogenic, well, the famous Roundup glyphosates out of our local parks, Adil. Great to have you here today. Thank you, Reverend Billy. It's 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 a privilege uh, to be here. Uh, thank you so much. And uh, yeah, I mean, you know, as people say that there's really two things to this. You got the bill done, uh, which was the first part. The bill is introduction 1524 uh, about the uh, ban of pesticides in the park system. Passed last Earth Day, and next month will be the one year anniversary. And there is very little known to the public in terms of what is actually going on. The law stipulates that they be completely phased out of Bayer Monsanto's Roundup within 18 months. Am I correct? Yeah, 18 months is, is the, the given time frame to them. Yeah. So they're supposed to go over to some kind of, well, what, what, 
how we managed insects and weeds before there were these carcinogenic chemicals, they're supposed to move over to an organic system, right? 100%. As for what this organic system is and how they're going to that, no, no idea. They're just not uh, sharing their information with the public. Now, we've gone through a mayoral change, and this is New York City. Did we fail to say that? New York, the biggest park system in the country, 30,000 acres. So we are hopeful that this new mayor might, although his appointed commissioner came before the public for the first time since she was appointed and was not so impressive. Talk, you just came from there, right? I actually just came from the uh, Parks Committee hearing uh, and, you know, hearing about you mentioning the mayor and, uh, you know, how much he's caring about the parks makes me want to say yikes uh, because that's it's quite the opposite. I mean, even today there was a rally outside of uh, uh, City Hall for an over $60 million budget cut happening to the Parks Department budget, you know. But as for, you know, the Parks Committee itself, that was... That, that, that was something. <laughs> like, it was long, but uh, we got what we needed. And by what we got what we needed, uh, I'm trying to say that it's pretty clear that they're, they're just not being transparent. You got what you needed in the sense that if they just keep being obscure and mysterious, it'll be a little bit more difficult to carry on a campaign to get the poisons out of the park. Exactly. I mean, I just want to give a shout out to Councilwoman Darlene Mealy. Uh, she pressed on the commissioner about, you know, what they're specifically doing about the pesticides. Uh, and that's when the commissioner came and, and she said, um, all right, you know, uh, we barely use pesticides within the park system. Now we only use it for forestry. And after she was saying something like that, I was like, OK, I like where this is going. All right. Then she forwarded to someone else on her team. She went and said that, yeah. Our use of pesticides have went down by 72%. Okay, 72%. And we don't really know what levels yeah. 100% yeah. represent. So if they don't want to, you know, meet with us, rather than meet with us, collaborate with us, uh -huh. yeah. we're going to make them, you know, and, and, and the way we really do it is how we got this bill passed, getting folks together, whether it's from environmental organizations, whether it's from faith-based organizations, whether it's culture organization, community groups, et cetera. We gotta get folks going. You know? Getting elected officials is good on our side, but I think what's more important is getting the constituents of those elected officials on our side. Hello, welcome to news from the natural world. I'm Savitri D. New research has discovered that monkeys use play to avoid conflict and reduce group tension. Play increases when howler monkeys are foraging for fruit, which is a highly prized resource that generates competition. Howler monkey play involves individuals hanging from their tails and making facial expressions and signals such as shaking their heads. Howler monkeys do not have a fixed social hierarchy within their groups to navigate competition and conflict, and they do not engage in collective grooming, which is used by some primates for group cohesiveness and tension reduction. Despite human perception of what play means, play is not always associated with fun or education. Instead, scientists think it fulfills an important function in howler monkey society by reducing tension when there is competition over scarce resources. Scientists who helped to pioneer the use of enzymes to eat plastic have taken an important next step in developing nature-based solutions to the global plastics crisis. 
They have characterized an enzyme that has the remarkable capacity to help break down terephthalate, one of the chemical building blocks of polyethylene terephthalate plastic, which is used to make single-use drinks bottles, clothing, and carpets. More than 400 million tons of plastic waste is produced each year, the overwhelming majority of which ends up in landfills. In other plastics news, scientists have simulated a half-century of movement and degradation of plastic waste in the ocean, and estimate that nearly two-thirds of ocean plastics are outside the reach of current monitoring methods. 25.3 million metric tons of plastic waste has entered our oceans, and nearly two-thirds of that cannot be monitored. Even more alarmingly, the analysis suggests that this may only be the tip of the plastic waste iceberg, with another 540 million metric tons of mismanaged plastic waste, nearly 10% of all plastic produced so far, still trapped on land. Research from the University of Vermont Cancer Center has linked phthalates, commonly called the everywhere chemical, to higher incidence of specific childhood cancers. Phthalates are chemical additives used to enhance the durability and consistency of plastics and a wide range of consumer products. Humans are routinely exposed to these compounds when they leach out of the products and into the environment. They are also used as inactive ingredients in some medications, especially those that require extended or delayed drug release. Childhood, but not gestational or in utero phthalate exposure, was associated with 20% higher rates of childhood cancer overall, with a nearly threefold higher rate of osteosarcoma, a bone cancer, and a twofold higher rate of lymphoma diagnosis, cancer of the blood. These results add to a growing body of evidence suggesting that these ubiquitous chemicals have a negative impact on human health. A new study shows that smoke from wildfires destroys the ozone layer. Researchers caution that if major fires become more frequent with the changing climate, more damaging ultraviolet radiation from the sun will reach the ground. Atmospheric chemists from the University of Waterloo found that smoke from the Australian wildfires of 2019 and 2020 destroyed atmospheric ozone in the southern hemisphere for months. The ozone shield is a part of the stratosphere layer of the Earth's atmosphere that absorbs UV rays from the sun. Scientists have developed a natural antibacterial texture for use on food packaging to improve shelf life and reduce waste. The lab-made nanotexture kills up to 70% of bacteria and retains its effectiveness when transferred to plastic. More than 30% of food produced for human consumption becomes waste, with entire shipments rejected if bacterial growth is detected. This is a big step towards a natural, non-chemical, antibacterial packaging solution for the food and manufacturing industry. Earth's poles are undergoing simultaneous freakish extreme heat with parts of Antarctica more than 70 degrees warmer than average and areas of the Arctic more than 50 degrees warmer than average. Weather stations in Antarctica shattered records last week as the region neared autumn. The two-mile-high Concordia station was about 70 degrees warmer than average, while the even higher Vostok station beat its all-time record by about 27 degrees. In the Arctic, it was 50 degrees warmer than average, and areas around the North Pole were nearing or at the melting point. Highly unusual for mid-March, said center ice scientist Walt Meyer. 
Forest fires have erupted in the vicinity of the Chernobyl nuclear reactor, with Ukraine claiming that Russian control of the abandoned power plant is hampering efforts to control the flames. At least seven fires have been spotted within Chernobyl's exclusion zone via satellite imagery taken by the European Space Agency. The fires were probably ignited by the armed aggression of the Russian Federation, the Ukrainian parliament said, though it's not clear whether it was shelling, arson, or some other factor that caused the outbreak of fire. Chernobyl is known for a 1986 explosion and resulting fire that caused a major nuclear disaster, spreading radioactive contamination across Europe. 200 tons of fuel remain at the bottom of the crippled reactor. Experts have raised concern that fierce fighting in the area could damage the reactor further and cause radioactive material to escape. Research published last year confirmed that smoke from forest fires can carry radioactive material. Scientists were researching the connection between climate crisis and so-called nuclear wildfires, a pressing yet little discussed problem. And now, the sounds of extinction. The Itombwe owl, or Congo Bay owl. First identified in 1951 from just a single skin and not collected since, the Itombwe owl is one of Africa's least known birds. The Itombwe owl is known primarily from the Itombwe Massif in the Democratic Republic of Congo. There are reports that the species may inhabit the Nyungwe forest in western Rwanda and Burundi. There was a possible sighting in 1974 and again in 1996. The original record in 1951 was at 2,400 meters in a grass clearing. The 1996 rediscovery was in Montaigne Gallery Forest, where the slopes are covered with grass and bush, and the lower slopes and valleys with Montaigne Forest. The biology of the Atombwe owl is almost completely unknown, as is its population size or even its complete geographic range. It is threatened by the clearing of its habitat for small-scale agriculture, as well as by logging, mining, wildfires, and forest clearance. And here, what may be the sound of the Atombwe owl. to save ourselves when guns and torches are dropped so we can touch when cops jail bankers to save the kids of cops and bankers when Christmas is abandoned when black and brown lesbians run the Department of Justice when we have this great idea resist extinction Resist, resist, resist extinction. Now, now, when 
when we take personal responsibility for the superstorm, when we go outside until outside is no longer outside anymore, when we stop calling the storms criminal scandals, and climb the mountains and cross the rivers to be with our nationless friends when we're willing to do what it takes to save ourselves when we see that our spare room is a young mother's dream when we feel years of laughter and music in a gift economy when we stop shopping when we stop shopping and start living when we're grateful at thanksgiving that we're radically changing when radically changing when when is the time to act when now Old towns had walls to keep out the beasts and the demons. Now we expel the darkness with odorless toxins, policies sprayed by professionals. No, no. You and I are the darkness, and we are the life. And the wall is overgrown with life. I made a fool of myself this week, lunging around the park headquarters in my pink preacher's suit, breaking up meetings, shouting about poisons. I accomplished a psycho thrill. I needed that to be acutely embarrassed. That's my way. Find your way. Let's talk about how we're doing this. As the extinction gets its groove back and evolution storms into our lives, we will try to dance with the darkness. Earthalluya. Earth Riot Radio is a production of the Church of Stop Shopping here in New York City. 
Salvatry D brings us each week the news for the natural world and the sounds of extinction. Thank you, Savi. Our editor is Jason Candler. Our producer is Alex Zappa. Now, we're grateful to Adil Ahmed for talking with us in the interview. If you want to listen to the entire interview, come to our website, revbilly.com. R-E-V-B-I-L-L-Y, revbilly.com. And if you want to talk to Adil personally about some of the things he said here today, A. Ahmed at theblackinstitute.org. That's A-A-H-M-E-D at theblackinstitute.org. We thank all of you for being with us here today, the Stop Shopping Choir and the Fiery Eagles of Justice, bringing us our music. We'll be back again soon. Be healthy and safe and wild. Somebody give me an earth illusion. <laughs>